Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm happy that you can join me today in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs as we discuss photography, business, and oh yeah, that sometimes messy thing that we call life. This podcast is brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. All right, Boca Podcast listeners, we are back for yet another episode, and I'm here with a new friend of mine. We, we just spent about 15 minutes talking about soccer, our shared love for soccer, but Matt Odom. Matt, thank you so much for making time for the Boca Podcast today. Hey, Nate, glad to be here, my man. I appreciate it. Enjoy talking soccer before we got on air. Yeah, well, it's not very often I get to even talk about it anymore. It was, it was, was, I was obsessed with it for a very large segment of my life. I wanted to eventually play pro ball. Uh, we, we talked about this earlier. I ran into an injury, a series of injuries, knee injuries, and ended up not having the opportunity. But I still love watching it. I think it's an incredible sport. And uh, it's interesting, as you and I were discussing before we started recording, how the, the U.S. soccer program is, is slowly – um, but is nonetheless developing, it looks like, and um, it'll be interesting to see where that goes. But uh, it's great to be able to share a similar interest. And of course, we share a similar interest in photography as well. So we're going to talk about that today and, and more specifically about commercial photography. And, and I have to say off the bat, uh, I was complimenting you before we got started, but your your work is impressive. Your clientele, even the people that you've, you've had the opportunity to photograph, really interesting. We'll get to all of this here in just a bit, but thanks again for making time for us today. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let, and let's just jump right in. Something that we normally talk about at the beginning of the podcast episode is something that I call a technique for time. And, and you know, it's interesting over, over time now, I've had the opportunity to interview a lot of photographers this looks different for different people. And some, some photographers have even said, you know what, I don't, I don't even do a great job saving time. But my question for you, Matt, is, is there something in your day-to-day workflow, your week-to-week workflow that you do that helps you save a little bit of time or maybe even a lot of time so that you can do more than just work? Yeah, actually it is. Uh, and and I, I don't share this too often because people usually don't ask me this, but I usually just set aside a day to do everything that is paper-related. If it's invoices, okay. emails, uh, you know, social media, and I usually try to do that because what happens is, you 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 if you don't do that, you'll find yourself shooting and then running to right to the computer to do invoices. Yes, you know you you, you stay in front of your computer. So what I do is I, I do that to to free up a lot of space. So when I do have downtime, I can actually have downtime. Like I, I know photographers who. Uh, will shoot and they're sitting in front of their computer all day long right. doing paperwork, right. you know, uh, either updating, you know, spreadsheets or what have you. Well, most times when I get done shooting, I'm coming home playing Call of Duty. <laughs> I know, love it. Or, yeah. Or, 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 or Fortnite or something, you know, or, 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 or updating the comic book collection. You know, I try to, to, I try to do that so that I don't ever want photography to feel like a job, I love which that. It, it doesn't. But a lot of times, if you're not careful, then what you love, what you love will become, you know, something that you, you know, you get tired of. You'll, t- you'll start to grow tired of it. Like, oh, I don't I don't want to want to do this. This isn't something I want to do all the time. Yeah. So what you have to do is you have to create stop gaps to stop that from happening. And so that's that's what I do is usually on a 
Monday and every once in a while I'll work on, on a, on a Sunday or a Saturday. Uh, if I have like a Saturday when I'm not coaching or, or not out somewhere, I, I'll try to get a lot of back office stuff done. Now taxes is a whole nother discussion, but, <laughs> yeah. but uh, for, for, for the most part, most of the stuff I usually do is usually done early in the week. Uh, unless uh, a, a client hits me up, you know, midweek or something like that. And I usually try to get right back to them if that's the, uh, if that's, if that's the case. That's great though. I, you know, there's something about busy work that can just be, it is, I mean, it's ultimately simple even as the actual tasks or tasks can be, they're just annoying. They're frustrating to have to deal with and it's easy to put them off or as you were describing, even put them off till, you know, after you come home from a shoot and you're tired or maybe at the end of a long week of work and you're tired and now you got this, this work piling up. I like the idea, and I don't know that we've had a guest share this idea yet, of specifically setting aside a day for that busy work, getting it done, getting it out of the way. I think that's a really great idea, and I love the way uh, we've also not had a, a guest use the phrase stopgap. I like that idea of having a stopgap in your week, whether it's one or, or multiple segments of your week where you set time aside for particular things. It allows you to focus on that thing, get it done, and move on. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I I have to say, I I don't have the opportunity to play video games maybe quite as much as I'd like. We were talking soccer earlier. FIFA is, is a, is a favorite of mine. Um, I have a a motorcycle game, maybe two, and I occasionally get the chance to play with my kids, but that, you know, whether it's video games or just going out with friends or watching Netflix or getting a workout in, having a bit of extra time to do something besides work helps minimize the potential for burnout. And I, I, I love that point. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and I, I talked to a lot of photographers, man, who are, are burned out, you know, whether it's they're commercial photographers or wedding photographers or just portrait photographers. Yeah, I mean, if you don't if you don't monitor it, you will you will burn yourself out. And it won't happen right right away, but you it, it'll start happening sooner than what you think it will. Well, I, I appreciate the, sharing that insight and that advice. And, um, and you know, really along the same line, something else that we've been talking about on the podcast is this idea of being present focused, more centered, not letting the, the the craziness of being a business owner or just the craziness of 2019 life kind of get in the way of truly being present to actually be where you, wherever you are. And I'm curious, curious if there's something that you do that enables you to be that way, to, to be more present. Well, uh, one of the things I do is I'm constantly learning. Hmm. Uh, you know, I know that's uh, cliche, but I'm always trying to find out what's new, uh, what's going on, what's the industry going, uh, what's the, the new technology. I mean, look how quick technology has changed in the last four years in the, in the photography realm. I mean, we're talking like well, I, I was talking to someone recently and it was what 10 years ago, the 5D Mark II came out. And, and now we're talking about 100 megapixel cameras yeah. in less than four, like a few years. Yeah. So photography is, is constantly changing. And so. I'm always trying to figure out new ways to, to reinvent myself uh, because we, in the commercial realm, I tell people all the time, we all, we're all doing the same thing. We're all sending the same standard mailer to a photo editor. So what are, what, what are you doing that's different that can get people to look at you? I, I just consistently try to find ways to stay relevant. That's, and that's, that's the, the, the gist of it is that each day I try to figure out something that I can do to stay relevant, whether it's shooting a personal project, whether it's going outside, finding something. I have a little notebook that I, I jot down personal photography topics that I, that I would like to shoot. Yeah. You know, wh- whether I, you know, shoot them then or shoot them a year later or two years later, I just have a running list of things that I would like to shoot. I just bought a video camera. I just bought a, a, a new video camera. So 
I used to work in TV. A lot of people don't know I used to work in TV. Oh, okay. I, I was a uh, old commercial producer. You know those old car lot commercials? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I used to do old car lot commercials and, and uh, local TV commercials, and, and I actually ended up getting promoted and, and became a sports reporter. So okay. video is my is my background, which kind of lent, lent itself to me becoming a photographer. And we'll get to that a, a little later on, I know. But I stuck with videos, you know, so I still have that working knowledge of it. So I said, you know what? I was having clients that was asking about video. So what I started doing, started going back into the uh, into the wheelhouse and started relearning video again. So it's always trying to find something that will keep you relevant uh, and keep you busy and keep you in business at, at the end of the day. It's keeping you in business is the main thing. Yeah, so, I, I think the word here that I'm thinking of, I mean, we, we were talking about the, the, the idea of presence, but really the, the word is awareness. There's a, there is an importance, a significance to being aware of what is going on in the industry. And, you know, it's easy to obsess over it. There's no need to obsess over it. But in fact, I was just at WPPI and, you know, the, 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 the amount of technology out there, as you were alluding to, Matt, is just incredible. And of course, that technology is an ongoing development. And what, what is out there now in comparison to when I was shooting full time, that there is quite a significant difference. But at the end of the day, awareness of the trends, not only what's happening within the photo industry itself, but then ultimately what's happening in the market and knowing how to play that effectively is, is so, so important. Awareness is huge. And speaking of awareness, actually, it's a good segue into my next question. What's one of the most impactful books that you've read, whether it's a personal, not personally related book or, or a business book, self-help book, whatever it might be? Uh, I'll probably say, uh, as, as far as the industry goes, for me, the, the most impactful book because I, I can I can distinctly remember following uh, Zach Arias. I'm not sure if you know who Zach Arias. Absolutely, is. yeah, yeah. Zach, Zach Arias, fellow Georgian, had he released a book called Photography Q and A. It was right at the time I was pursuing the career as a commercial photographer, and it literally was a god map <laughs> yeah. to become a commercial photographer. Okay, and I uh, and so I it made life a whole lot easier for me. So usually I try to recommend that book to anyone who is looking at becoming a commercial photographer. There's another one now, but I can't think of the name of it, but it was, it's that book and, and, and the other book. And it, if I think about it while we off air, I'll send it to you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll link to at least link to Zach's book in the, in the show notes. But I noticed too, as I was looking through your Instagram account that maybe you're, maybe you kind of took a cue from Zach. It looks like one big light source is, is the thing that you do with a lot of your portraits. Yeah, I actually did. Uh, him and, and Joe McNally. I mean, Joe McNally tends to use a few lights, but most of the times, you know, these guys are using one light. And one light is, if one is efficient, it's quick. A lot of people, a lot of people don't understand that when you're dealing with large, larger than life personnel or clientele, rather, they don't have a whole lot of time. Yeah. So uh, it's usually one light, make it right. That's usually my, that's my, <laughs> I one love light, that. Make it right. And, 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 and go on about your business. And uh, it's worked for me. I mean, it's it's worked for me. When I do lighting workshops, I usually light with one light. And I tell people, if you can master one light, then you can master three or four lights. Hmm. If you can't master one light, then you're in trouble. You may need to rethink your career. But one light typically gets the job done. I mean, I've shot ad campaigns with one light. I mean, I've shot major ad campaigns with just one light. And I've had photo, I've had uh, photo producers come up to me and say, this is the most efficient shoot that I've ever worked on. Yeah. Because of knowing, knowing the tools, knowing the situation and just understanding what's in your tool set uh, will not only make you a better photographer, but it'll make you more viable for other clients, for clientele. Cause people are going, you know, in this industry, people are going to talk. 
So if you if a, a client has a really good experience with you and you're efficient, yep. then you'll be in business for a while. I love that. You know, and, and this is something I've said before, but but complicated workflows doesn't make you a cooler photographer. I, I realize that there are certain times where additional tools may be uh, helpful at least, if not necessary, but the idea that, that you might learn how to develop a really simple workflow. I mean, so much of what we talk about here in the podcast, uh, at least when it comes to running a photography business, has to do with client experience. And part of the, that client experience is making it as easy as possible for them to work with you. I love that you highlight that fact. You mentioned photographing big personalities, too. I mean, I saw Deion Sanders on here, Ice Cube, uh, to name a, a couple. Like with Ice Cube, I can tell you the Ice Cube, man. It, that was for, uh, for ESPN. And... Uh, I only had like 40 seconds with him. Yeah. And, and all I literally had was one light, one light in 40 seconds. It was either get it right. And that, you know, that's it. You know, when I shot Dion, we had, uh, I think, actually had 30 minutes with him, which was like a lifetime for, you know, view with somebody like that. But right. we had a, you know, a, a little bit of time, but it was only one light. You know, you just don't have that time to, it, plus the, the location. See, a lot of this also, what a lot of photographers don't realize is that sometimes you're, in a studio setting a lot most times you're in the most unattractive setting <laughs> and i mean you you like the room we were in it was like dated it looked like something out of uh, a good fellas movie yeah you talk about the the shot of ice cube no no dion oh, okay when we shot dion like we had to like transform that room okay i mean it was dated i'm, I'm talking like it was like 1980s wallpaper you know that wallpaper when you go to your your aunt's house <laughs> yeah yeah it was like that so Having to uh, transform that that room, hmm. and it was low ceiling, so I couldn't get a light high. So I could only shoot one light, and so I only had only had a smaller corner of a room to work with. So knowing that I could only work with one light, I just used what modifiers I had to get what we what we needed. Oh, it's I love that you make the best of the situation. And by the way, for those of you listening in, you're going to want to check out Matt, Matt's Instagram feed. It's Matt M A T T Odom O D O M photo. And uh, I was actually looking at the the behind the scenes shot that you posted of the shoot with Ice Cube. And again, props to you for making the best of the situation. It looks like you're either shooting in some you know, some kind of conference room or even just a hallway because I can see the little fire alarm on the wall to, to the right hand side. But you're just shooting against a, a, a simple a plain white or off white wall, one light. Somebody's holding a reflector and you made it work. Yeah, I mean, that's literally what I, all I could do. I mean, it was one of those things where Cube was uh, running late. He had a, a interview. And so I just, you know, I had to get the shot. So I say, hey, Cube, I, I got to get you for ESPN. And I told him I'd get you in and get you out. Literally took six frames. It was on his way. That's awesome. Yeah, well, props to you for that. And again, for those of you listening, and make sure you check out Matt's Instagram account. Of course, we'll link to that in the show notes as well. But another question for you, Matt. This is, um, I made note when I sent it to you, this is a 15-second answer. I'm curious how you would sum up uh, one of the the most important pieces of advice that you might give to whether it's an up and coming photographer or just any photographer in general, based on your experience as a photography business owner, what would that piece of advice be? Learn to expect to hear the word. No, learn. You're going to make mistakes, learn how to fix them and, and you'll be fine. Interesting. So learning how to, to, and I think of the phrase, go with the flow here, whether somebody tells you no, or you make a mistake, you run into a hiccup along the way, Understand that those things are coming, but you just you just ride with it. Just go with it. Yep. One of the things that I constantly hear from from my significant other is is uh, she always tells me like sometimes see people people think that you know 
oh, you know, all is well, this, that, and other. I worry. I, I'm a Virgo, so I worry by nature. So I, I tell people, um, you know, a lot of times if I get told no, sometimes it, I get kind of bummed out. But she'll always come to me and say, well, you know what? You're going to find a better job than the one that just that you just did not get. And gener- every single time it happens, I usually wind up getting a better job. So what I tell the photographers is that sometimes if that door closes, it may it may not have been a good fit for you as a photographer. Yep, the yep. client may have not been a good fit for you. I mean, I've worked on jobs that and we've all done this. We've all done this. If you're a photographer and you've done this, you've taken a job and at the end of the day, you, you said to yourself, man, I, I shouldn't have took that job, you know, because mm. it may have not been exactly what you wanted. But, sure. you, you know, the hunger of shooting uh, tends to always get in our mind and we feel like we have to shoot, shoot, shoot. But sometimes you have to, you know, either A, get used to being told no or saying no. Sometimes you have to just tell people, no, I don't, I'm not a good fit for this job. Hmm. And, and uh, more, more often than not, you're probably going to wind up with a better job that's going to fit what you like to do anyway. Because I, I was just recently told no on a job and actually landed a job this month that was 10 times better than what you know what that job could ever be. That's awesome. And more, fun, and more aligned with who I am as a photographer. So it fit me perfectly. That's great. Well, and this is really, really great advice. I mean, it's easy. And, and I know um, you mentioned being a Virgo. I am as well, actually, August 23rd. But uh, there is... There is a, it's easy, whether you're Virgo or not, is photography business owners or even just an entrepreneur to, to worry. And there is, I think many times, um, it's easy to get caught up in that worry and to kind of fixate on it. And then you get in this really vicious cycle where you get stuck in your head and it gets in the way of you just doing business. And the reality is people are going to say, no, you're going to run into t- tough circumstances here and there, learning how to, to go with the flow. Um, is really, really important. So that's a great piece of advice, a great reminder. Um, talk to us about your photography business. I mean, you're in commercial photography, and that's a pretty crowded world. Trying to make your way in a crowded industry can be a tough thing. So my question for you is, what is your photography business's brand position? And for those of you who are not familiar with the concept, just very simply, what is your photography business offer that no other photographer in your market offers? Uh, efficiency and a fun experience. I mean, everybody I've worked with, I just, I did a, a campaign with Ryder truck systems last year. Yeah. And there was the uh, ad agency came up from Miami. And so we shot for four days. And after we got done, the uh, owner of the agency actually was actually owner of the agency came for the shoot. We actually worked together and uh, he came up to me and said, man, this was just a great fun experience. He said, we've huh. never had kind of fun on a, on a photo shoot. And I credit, my uh, producer who worked with me, uh, Andrea uh, Dorset per- Pearson, who, who's with Bright Sky Productions, I, I credit her for also, you know, making the, the nuts, and, nuts and bolts go. But just being able to provide the client with an experience that they can walk away and not just say we were just there for a shoot. And it kind of goes back to the last question you asked. Is, is I would tell any photographer to make sure that the client has a fun experience because what happens is that client, We'll tell other clients that, hey, this is a great photographer. This is somebody easy to work with. I can't tell you how many times that I've heard from people uh, in the industry that they won't work with certain photographers because they're difficult. Hmm. The more, you know, if you make the process difficult to the client, then and you're just worried about a bottom line, then you're, you're number one, you, you're not going to enjoy doing the job because you're going to just feel like you're doing it for money. And if, I mean, theoretically you are, but you know, there's a level of enjoyment that goes along with what you do. 
and it comes across whether you're in front of the camera or behind the camera. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, and, and a lot of photographers fail to realize that is mm. is that you have to make sure that you offer an efficient experience. I mean, quick turnaround, good turnaround, yep. uh, sound turnaround, it always makes what happens client and providing that fun experience to the client is what to keep you in business. You know, that's interesting. I, and I've, I've never heard of a commercial photographer who, who markets themselves or promotes themselves as efficient. In fact, most photographers, that's probably the last thing that comes to mind when they're, they're thinking about how they would market themselves or how they would categorize or frame their brand as efficient. But I really, really like that. I guess the question, the next question that um, just comes naturally here is how do you effectively market that idea in a, I mean, when I think of the commercial photography world, and, and to, to be clear, I'm not extremely familiar with it. I was a wedding photographer, portrait photographer, but I, I don't. I think of a a bit more uptight kind of formal industry than you know your kind of wedding and portrait industry these days, where you get photographers that are taking their couples or their, their their subjects out and doing these wild and crazy things. It seems like the the commercial industry is a bit more structured. How do you effectively communicate to a potential client that you're you're fun, you're easy to work with, you work really really quick? Well, I mean, theoretically, you've actually seen it already just by on my Instagram feed. Just okay. you know, provide behind the scenes shots, showing that what I actually do, personal stories, personal projects as we call them, interviews, things that make you look relevant, things that people can say I can trust him. Mm. Things that people when people look at my work and they see, okay, this is behind the scenes, and then they see the finished product. Okay, this guy knows what he's doing. Yeah. Uh, people People, there's a sector of photographers, and I saw this coming up because I used to do wedding photography. Uh, coming up is that if you reveal, somebody else is going to take what you do. Let me tell you, let me give you a tip in photography. This for anybody that's listening to this, there is not one in any one thing that you have done in photography that nobody else has already done. <laughs> yep. <laughs> everybody's done. It. Everybody's done. It. Everybody's done. It. Uh, whether it's a personal project, I mean, I I, I do. There's a, a a project that I'm working on now that I, I took a year off, year and a half off from doing. And it's a, it was a barbecue project. You know, I just go around and photograph different barbecue spots. Okay. And I can't tell you how many other photographers I've seen do that. Hmm. But the thing, the thing is, is that you have to tell it from your perspective, tell the story from your perspective. And so it's this, we've all done the barbecue thing, but it's, it's just telling it from my perspective as a Southern boy. You know, you're a Southern boy, as you know how it is, how we are about our barbecue down here. <laughs> our barbecue yeah. And so we can tell it from our perspective. So if you if if I consistently just put out solid work that shows uh what I do from my perspective, and just I, I reach out to like we're, we're in an age, and this kind of goes back to what we talked about something earlier, uh, is that in this age, there used to be a time where you you have to reach out to a photo editor. You'd have to go through all these nuts and bolts. You'd have to, you know, get this person, call that person, look for this number. Get just this is all just to get an email. But now you're on Instagram. Guess what? The photo editors on Instagram. Guess what they're doing? Looking for new talent. Yeah. Hit them up in the inbox. Yes. Don't you know? Don't don't be a fool. You know, don't be a a creep. But just hit them up in the inbox. Hey, hey, my name is X Y Z. I'm looking for new work. Boom. You'd be surprised at the people that follow you, hmm. especially, especially if, if you, you kind of like me, just kind of hop on Instagram off and on. I started, when I started seeing like, anyway, ad agencies following me that I, you know, it was like, what in the world? 
But what what I what I started realizing was that these agencies are building their talent pools through the mediums that people don't expect. People are so used to just sending out a postcard and 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 maybe a phone call here and there. That doesn't work in 2019. I mean, it may work to a degree, but it's not. <laughs> yeah. Because because like I told you, all photographers, especially in the commercial world, we've done everything. Everybody's doing the same thing. So in order to get noticed, you have to sometimes go about. Uh, getting noticed in unconventional ways, whether it's Facebook, whether it's Twitter. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've just I, I've hit up people and go, "Hey, I I just want to work with you," and then four, five, six months later, I get a phone call. Hey, man, want to know if you were free? Boom! It, it happened. I, I met a guy uh, on Facebook. I met a photo editor on Facebook. We've been friends ever since. And I reached out to him and told him I wanted to shoot for ESPN. Lo and behold, shot for ESPN. I mean, just sometimes you just have it's, it's the most un- unconventional way of doing things is the way that it gets you hired. But I, I want to go back first to, to what you said earlier. It was a great point and, and a, a poignant one and yet a very simple one, which is put out there what you do. Show what you do. I mean, when I asked how you communicate the fact that you have a fun time and that your shoots are, are easy, they're efficient, you, you show that. Just by, I mean, so many of the images here that I'm, again, are on your Instagram feed, I'm, I'm looking at that single light. You've got that single light. It's not this whole production. And the idea that you can get in and out and, and get that work done is really, really great. You're highlighting that in your Instagram feed. You show what you do. So I think that's really powerful. Again, it's a simple idea, but it's, it's one that probably not enough photographers are actually capitalizing on. And then the other thing you, you point out, and, and I, I think about Gary Vaynerchuk. Are you familiar with Gary, Matt? Oh yeah, jab jab. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jab jab jab. Right hook is is a great book for sure. But one of the things he talks about is is the significance of of actually engaging in Instagram, more specifically, sending a DM, reaching out, connecting with people, and it's not a complicated thing to do, and it doesn't even have to take that much time. I, I was talking to a photographer the other day, uh, Ren Thompson, actually, who's been on the podcast, and and she essentially was has been running her business on Instagram, getting most, if not all, of her clients through business or through Instagram when I talked to her and, and I was like, man, you have to be, cause she was on stories quite a bit. And as I said, you it's, I assumed she was in Instagram all the time, but she pulled up the statistics app that's now built into our, our iPhones and showed me that she is spending an average only of an hour a day. And yet she was running her business on Instagram. So it's not that it has to take that much time. It doesn't, it's not that complicated to go in there and DM somebody, send somebody a message and as you pointed out, Matt, never know where that that effort at communication can lead. I think that's really great. Yeah, I mean, uh, you'd be surprised. You know, I, I went to a photo of, of a portfolio review in New York yeah. uh, last year. And I remember I sat down at the table with my first reviewer, and that person knew who I was from, from following me on Instagram. Okay. And I sat down, they knew exactly who I was. And I thought it was crazy. But, you know, that's just how the industry is. People are following photographers who are putting out work. And if you're putting out good work, you will get noticed. You will, there's no doubt in my mind that you you won't you won't get noticed. I mean, you you you've got uh, who I, I consider the poster child of, of that is Joey L. I'm not sure if you know who Joey Lawrence is, but Joey Lawrence, that's how he got his claim to fame. He was working social media, yeah. And I think I think he's maybe 20, 28, 29, and he's like probably one of the most recognized photographers in the commercial world. I mean, he's consistently always working. Uh, Clay Cook is another guy. Okay. Uh, uh, I knew Clay from from being on forums together, but Clay is another guy who started working social media, 
and I look at him. Uh, there's another guy who's an awesome architectural photographer, Mike Kelly. Mike Kelly started working the social media around, and now he's top top notch. I mean, it's it's a proven track record that if you use these tools, these tools gain you exposure. And if you use these tools to the best of your ability, you'll get some form of exposure. And I can go even further. Even as wedding photographer, even even my old days as a wedding photographer, I used to tell people, you know, you've got a medium that not only you can you reach the people where you are, but you can reach potential clients that are in other countries yeah. that will be willing to hire you to come photograph or make portraits of their uh, of their uh, significant day. So, as a uh, a creative, it would be a disservice not to use these services hmm. to uh, to to run a business. I mean, you have to think about it. Let's let's go back 30 years. And what what were studio houses doing? These guys were, you know, pounding pavement, knocking on doors, you know, spending thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars just to get noticed. Well, now it's just you just go to your phone, put up a photo, <laughs> and a couple of hashtags, yeah, and, and boom, people will start seeing you. So yeah. I mean, it, it's it's we're in an age where it's you know it's just. Uh, so easy to get out there if you if you if you're willing to put in the work. And and, and as you pointed out, the the so-called work isn't even that difficult at times. We we can sit on our ass and and play on our phone and and get some business from it. Especially if we're intelligent about it. I mean, because I would assume yeah. that most of our listeners are, I mean, at this point, are at least on social media, if not in some form or fashion, trying to to utilize it for business. But then the question becomes: Are you using it intelligently? Are you using it with intent? Do you have a goal or set of goals in mind that are driving the way that you're using it? Or are you just kind of haphazardly, randomly using it? And I love the specificity, as you pointed out, Matt, that, that you're actually putting pictures on your feed that that give the potential client an idea of what it's like to work with you. And that is so much of what your brand is about. Um, and, and I would question for those of you listening in, are you using Instagram or Facebook or otherwise with intent uh, in such a way that your potential clients can effectively find you? The other thing that, that stood out to me, I mean, Matt, you've got over 4,000 followers on Instagram, but you know, if we, if we had only as photographers, if we only had 500 followers or even two or 300 followers, but we were effectively using our social media account or accounts to reach those two or 300 followers, imagine the amount of business that we could actually have. We don't have to have 50,000 or 100,000 or a million followers to have a successful business. Uh, we could actually be effectively utilizing the, the eyes, if you will, of those few hundred people if we're really smart, if we're strategic about it. So I think that's important to keep in mind for everyone listening in. And we mentioned or alluded to that book, Jab, 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 Right Hook. I mean, Gary talks specifically about how to market using various platforms. Um, it's slightly dated. And I only say slightly because um, I think he wrote it maybe four or five years ago. It came out, something like that. Uh, and you know, social media has changed a little bit since then. Different platforms have popped up, but the principles are still largely the same. So I can't recommend that enough. We'll make sure to link to that in the show notes. Let's talk about gear very briefly, Matt. You, I, I know that, well, in fact, I have to ask you actually, what is your kind of go-to single source of light if, if you're only using one? Uh, I use uh, the Godox eighty six hundred. Okay. Uh, I used to use Policy Buff. This is not a knock on Policy Buff. They, uh, uh, I still think they have awesome lights. I just found that having a lithium battery that I'm able to move around yeah. goes keyword efficient. <laughs> yeah. Move around quickly, and I have to worry about it plugging in a source. Yes. Uh, 
I I went went with those. Otherwise, I'd probably still be with with, uh, with Einstein. But I love my Godox. It's just a solid light. And how many shots can you get out of that out of that battery on the go? I've shot a whole can. I've shot on a whole day, a whole day. Wow, a whole day. I I did when I did the campaign for Ryder. We shot for a whole day on I think maybe maybe one light, maybe two lights okay. at best. But it was all day, literally all day. And, and I was fine. That's incredible. That's incredible. Well, and you said that's the, did you say 8,600? Uh, AD 600. Oh, AD 600. It, it, it may be a, a Flashpoint and Godox are the same company. Okay. So it's either the Flashpoint, Explore 600, or Godox AD 600. Okay, cool. We'll, we'll link to that in the show notes as well. Do you have any other particular favorite piece of gear? Yeah, I, I, I use my, I, this is, this is, this is, <laughs> this is uh, one of the things I like to touch on too is I, I look online a lot in some of these sites and people are just like this, this, uh, they're, they're like, Oh, you gotta have this, this camera. You gotta have that camera. You gotta yeah. have this. You gotta have this. You know, I just recently in the last two, three years got a Canon 5D. I've got a 5D Mark four and a 5D SR, uh, maybe three or four years. Now. I can't quite remember, but for years, I mean, years I shot with a Canon 6D. Yes. I've shot at campaigns with a Canon 60. That was my work horse camera i'm talking work horse I, I shot with it so much that the the, the, the plastic started peeling <laughs> and, and it's still and i still i'm looking at it right now i still take it out when i want to go out and just shoot you know just you know uh, nature stuff like that and and uh i tell people you can use the most smallest gear you don't have to necessarily just get the latest and sexiest gear right if you if you're buying that, then you need to buy it with a purpose. Like when I bought the five DSR, I bought it with a purpose. I bought it specifically for when I do ad campaign work, and I bought the five D Mark IV for when I'm usually on the go on jobs that require me to move around a lot and shoot, and I needed something that I don't want to you know uh, deal with fifty meg files on. Sure, you know, I don't want to shoot uh, agriculture and have to deal with fifty meg files all the time. Right. So, you know, learning your tools is a critical to being a, a good photographer and not just buying the latest and greatest uh, piece of equipment, you know, because that piece of equipment, you, you may only just need it for, 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 for one particular thing. Like, you know, uh, and, and it's the old wedding photographer joke, but you know, guys who buy these massive zoom lenses and all they need is a 70 to 200, you know, yep. you got guys sitting there weddings with 600 millimeter lenses, like, you know, like they're at the football field. <laughs> you, know, you have to know, you have to know the tools that you're buying. That's a great point. You know, I, I've, I've mentioned, I think I've alluded to this in the podcast before, but I, I shot uh, my first DSLR uh, was a Nikon D1X. And this was back in 2000, uh, 2005, 2006, something like that. It was less than six megapixels and the dynamic range on it was terrible. Uh, we would, we would, sh- I would shoot with that camera and then bring the final files home, uh, process and then upload to our online gallery. It was a company called Pictage. They were kind of a leader in the industry at the time. Sadly, they've gone away. But uh, they would, when I would upload those files online, then they would further compress the files. So these were not significantly large files. I would then, I, at one point, I downloaded, so less than six megapixels. It's been further compressed by the, the online gallery and lab. I download that compressed file, and I send it off and have a 20 by 30 image beautifully printed on I think a textured art paper, 20 by 30 image with this, this, you know, less than six megapixel compressed file. 
and and we get you know upset if we don't have the latest and greatest gear right now. Then the reality is, I mean, if we if we're doing so intelligently, we could shoot with an iPhone and get beautiful images. Um, so I, I love that you make this point. There's no need to be spending thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on the latest gear just for the sake of buying the latest gear. There should be intent behind it. That intent should be a reflection of your business model and your goals. Otherwise, stick with what you got and learn how to make it work. And and I think that's a message that probably can't be stressed enough. And it's really, really great practical advice. Let's talk about your photography business. Just briefly, will you share the, the backstory, how you got to where you're at now? Absolutely. I, I Actually, my degree is in uh, social work. Okay. And so I, I worked for the state. I used to work for the child support office. I was the, the, I was the lockup man <laughs> okay. for the child child support and so i did that for about a year this is during this entire period i was already a wedding photographer so i've been doing wedding photography probably during this period uh about three or four years already and so i remember i, I distinctly remember one day i was sitting at home and i and i just was going through a couple of magazines and said this is what i want to do i want to be a commercial photographer mm. and so you know i just kind of always kept it in the back of my mind during this period i, I actually got laid off and I kind of was like, okay, you know, it is what it is. I, during that period, it was like 2000. I got laid off in 2011. Some, I think 2011. So this is, but before that, I got laid off. When I remember, I told you I worked in TV. I was in two, TV to 2008 when the when the recession hit. Okay. And, and uh, so during that period, I, I remember, man, it was rough. 2008, 2010 was really rough. I remember I got laid off, man. I got I got laid off in TV. I got a job working as an apartment complex guy like the man, assistant manager or something like that. I started a job and got laid off one week later. They, they, that company folded. And I was like, Christ, man, I just got laid off. So I got laid off again. So during that period, I said, you know what? I'm going to start doing wedding photography, you know, just, just actively doing it. I think I went to a imaging workshop during that period, imaging, PPA yeah. imaging, uh-huh. and uh, learned how to price. So I was pricing myself pretty good. And I was treating it as if it was a full-time job. Hmm. And so – I got laid off in 2011 working at the child support office. And I remember going to work and it's like, Hey, we're going to lay you off, whatever. And I was like, okay, cool. And I said, I get unemployment. It was like, yeah. I said, okay, cool. So what I did was when I got laid off, when got my unemployment and, uh, but before I went to the office that day, there's a little small magazine that's locally called making magazine. And so I, I went to the door, went and knocked on the door. The photo editor came to the door, a guy named James. And I introduced myself. I gave him one of my wedding cards at the time. And he said, oh, man, you know, we appreciate you, man. Thank you for stopping by. And he said, we we have anything, we'll give you a call. The normal spiel that you get. <laughs> yeah. And so never thought about it, never worried about it. So I went and filed my unemployment in the afternoon. And when I got home that night, I checked my email and I had like six assignments for him. So wow. I called him and was like, hey, I got an email from you. You, uh, are you want me to go? You want to? Set these up today. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We want, want to work with you, man. We want to work with you. Uh, I actually had one for the next day. I had one for like two days after that email. And I, <laughs> I've i never told this part of the story. But see, thinking about it, I was like, you know what? This 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 would be a great time telling <laughs> Is uh, I remember I got architectural photography. He was like, you want me to do some architectural photography? Okay. And I was like, oh, crap. I've never shot architectural photography before. <laughs> Luckily, I already had a couple of Zoom lenses from being a wedding photographer. So I was like, uh, let me let me get on YouTube and figure out how to do this. 
And so and if Mike Kelly's listening, he's gonna start laughing. I remember <laughs> Mike, <laughs> I remember Mike had a thread on his Canon form that we was on. He was breaking down how to do architectural photography. Okay. <laughs> and I literally did everything to the T. Yeah. <laughs> I shot the assignment. The assignment actually ended up being the cover of the magazine. I got there to the shoot like an hour early. The photo editor was like, you know what? I don't have to worry about you. You know exactly what you're doing. I've been shooting for that magazine ever since. That wow. catapulted my career as a commercial photographer. And after that, I say two years later, I shot for Georgia Trend, who I still shoot for. A couple of months after that, Google called. And it's been rolling ever since. Wow. So I tell people that story to say that, you know, sometimes it requires a little bit of luck. But sometimes, but more often than not, it requires being in the right place and being ready when the opportunity comes. A lot of photographers don't understand the concept of they feel like they have to. It's it's kind of a mind thing where they feel like, uh, well, I've got to get myself prepared, or I've got you know I'm going to do this, and then I'll it'll happen. You know, no, most times commercial work it just just happens, drops out of the sky, mm. and you just have to be prepared for when it comes you have to basically know your strengths know your weaknesses yeah. and know how to handle whatever the situation is that's, that's presented to you oh that's really good what i was going to say i was going to add to that too just the, the significant not only being ready but but also being willing to make something work if you have to i mean the fact that you got that assignment didn't really know exactly how to delve into architectural photography so quickly got online and, and learned what you could as quickly as possible you made the situation work right and and yep. I like that I like that approach, a very proactive mentality in approaching that opportunity, I think is really important to keep in mind as well. And 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 I love that example that you're setting for our listeners. So I mean, here we are now, what's roughly eight years, seven, eight years later, and you're doing this thing and you're making it work and you're having fun at it too, which I which is wonderful. What would you say, and you mentioned to me before we started recording that you've got kind of five ideas that you were going to share about what makes a great commercial photographer. I'm wondering if you would share those with our listeners. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one is patience. And I, I was going to piggyback on my last point, but I'm going to take carry that, carry it right into this. Yeah. Patience is going to be critical as a photographer. I want people to understand something. You're not going to make a whole lot of money starting out. Yeah. Uh, there are exceptions to the rule. But some photographers, you know, I know a wedding photographer, she hit it big. Locally here, she hit it extremely big right out of the gate. Hmm. But that's far few in between. Right. Most photographers, you're not going to make a lot of money starting out. I mean, it's just, the, that's the reality of it. You're not going to get the massive job starting out. And even when you do get the massive job, you're probably going to only get it once or twice every so many years. I, I can't, I talked to a guy recently probably back in October last year. And he told me, he said, Matt, I probably only get two or three jobs, you know, every two years where I'm making 30, 40, $50,000 a job. That's just one of those things. It doesn't happen every day. Sure. A lot of photographers think that, that that's the, Oh man, you, he's making, you know, this, that. no, it, it doesn't work that way. It requires patience. Hmm. You will get those jobs, but you're going to have to be extremely patient and, 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 and be humble. And what you do, a lot of photographers feel like certain jobs are beneath them. I tell, I told, I talked to a guy uh, before before we got on air. I talked to a guy earlier, and we was just talking about this same thing. He's a, another commercial photographer in Atlanta, and he was telling me that he prefers to get what he calls as grunt work, and that's just jobs that keep you busy, hmm. keep you shooting. 
things that keep the lights on. Yeah. Every job that you get is not going to be a twenty, forty, fifty thousand dollars job. And the quicker you realize that, then you'll be fine. Also, if you can handle people, as we stated earlier, telling you no, a lot of times people are going to say they're not looking for a photographer. Sometimes they are. Sometimes people are just looking for a certain style. You may not fit the style for that project that they're looking for right then, but they may have something come open a year or two later down the line that they'll bring you in on. I've had that happen several times. Mm. So if you can exercise that part of patience, then you'll be fine. Uh, number two, learning. You should be learning every single day. Yes. You should take at least 20 minutes, 20 to 30 minutes of every day. Uh, I love that. There's no, there's no reason that you can't go on YouTube and learn something, even if it's simple, something simple as learning how to catalog properly in life. Things like that make a, uh, uh, make a world of difference going down the line. I can't tell you the, how important it has been for me to learn how to use Lightroom efficiently because it makes my job 20 times easier. Right. I've talked to, I can't tell you how many photographers I've talked to that say they do everything in Photoshop. And then when you show it to them in Lightroom, they're like, what in the world? Where has this been at? <laughs> what? How in the world are you able to do this? Yeah. And I show people because people are blown away when I tell them I edit in Lightroom, yeah. I capture one. And I only have to do minor stuff in Photoshop. They're like, what? How, how are you able to do this? It's because <laughs> I sit down and I just look at the tutorial after tutorial after yep. tutorial after tutorial. You know, and, and, and to go along with learning, uh, well, and, and let me add this too, is that when you go to workshops, Go to workshops. If you're running a business, it's a tax write-off. There's no reason that you should not be going to workshops. And I'm not talking just shooting workshops. I'm talking business workshops. Yes. This, a, a lot of photographers go out of business because they don't understand the business side of photography. Mm. They don't understand how to, to, to save money. They don't understand how to invest. You know, I've talked to several photographers. They have no clue what a set IRA is. They don't understand that concept. That's all business stuff. It's just photography is just not shooting. Photography is running a backdoor business. Yep. Understanding what you understanding how to put yourself in a situation to sustain yourself yes. as a photographer, not just shooting. A lot of photographers do not understand the concept of sustaining themselves. And I, I mean, I know photographers who have bought studios and they, they're not shooting. And then when you, when you explain to them that you need to be having a certain amount of threshold coming in a year, to operate a studio people think just oh because i'm a photographer i just go rent a studio and they'll come no they need to be coming before you get the studio yeah you know so understanding that part that concept of, of learning all right number three we'll go into shooting shooting is something that you need to do well why do you need to do that matt you need to do that because when those situations present themselves i'll use wedding photography as an example as a wedding photographer you don't have time to screw up somebody's way so you need to know what you're doing before you get in front of them. So you don't have, you can't get on the job training on wedding day. You know, you can't botch a, a bride or groom's most important day because you don't understand the concept of of using one light or you bought a light and you don't know how to use it. And, and so you hadn't tested it out yet. When you buy new gear, you need to be testing it out on what you need, what you want to shoot. Don't test it out on the client. So you should be learning your tools, learning your camera, learning your style. A lot of photographers, Nate, don't understand that they need to develop a style, something that's going to set them aside from every other photographer. Mm. You know, 
my, I, I, you know, you can pattern yourself as a photographer, as a certain photographer, but you, you need to learn your own particular style because that's what's going to get you hired. When you look in the group, when you look at uh, portrait photographers, commercial photographers, wedding photographers, even even sports and architecture photographers, and even motorsports. I don't know if, if, if you ever look at automotive photography sometimes, but no automotive photography is the same. They all have their own different style, unique way they shoot uh, whatever they're shooting to tell a story. And that's something that photographers have to realize. Uh, number four, you have to have an outgoing personality if you're going to be a photographer. You have to learn how to become a people person. And I know in this industry, people say, well, you know, I'm a little bit of an introvert, but you are still going to be dealing with people on a daily basis. You're going to be interacting with people. So it, uh, you, you have to learn how to interact. I mean, and that's just, you can buy books that teach you how to interact with people. You can learn, you can, you can, uh, you know, take a couple of speech classes. You know, I, I recommend to a local photographer recently to take a couple of speech classes because he was nervous speaking in front of people. Mm. And I told him, I said, you're going to have to learn how to talk. You're going to have to learn how to close deals. You're going to have to learn how to ask questions. Yeah. And those, th those are the essential parts of being a photographer. So you're going to have to learn how to develop a personality or become personal, uh, you know, a little bit more personable. I, I have to jump in here, Matt, too, because I'm, I'm really yeah. stoked that, you, that you're that you making this point. This is definitely a, a point of conversation that has come up on the podcast before uh, on, on two fronts. One, the reality that, you know, we, we may have certain tendencies that we give a label like introverted or extroverted, but if we want to make personal change, we do have the ability to make change. So if, and I love that you're highlighting this idea of learning how to behave differently. Again, introverted tendency, that's fine. Nobody's criticizing that. But if you're going to run a photography business, you are engaging with people. So you do have to learn how to more effectively engage with people. And I, I would take it a step further and recommend that our listeners explore where that psychology comes from. A lot of people just write off, you know, their, their tendencies or their behaviors to this is quote, just who I am. And the reality is much, if not most of quote, who we are has been developed over time as a result of our life experience, whether it was when we were a kid or um, as we grew older. But the reality is there's psychology that drives that behavior, understanding why you're nervous when you get in groups of people or why you're nervous when you stand in front of people to talk or why you're nervous when you're meeting somebody, just an individual individual, a person that you've never met before, what's behind that and addressing that on a deeper level will make this easier as well. But I, I love that you're highlighting the significance, um, not only of learning how to be a good people person, Matt, but also that you can learn how to be a better people person as well. Yeah. I mean, there's a book I remember reading in college called Verbal Judo. Okay. It's called Verbal Judo. And it basically just basically talks, how, talks about being personable and learning how to close deals. Yeah. And if you can learn that, you, you'll be fine. I mean, I'm telling you, a lot of photographers don't understand. They underestimate the power of having a good personality. Uh, a good personality, will, I'm telling you, a good personality will get you, will open doors for you that you would have never thought been open. Yes. Because people like working with you. I mean, yes. when people like working with you, they like being around you. And when people like being around you, then that's that's when you're in business. You're really rolling in because people are going to want to be with you. They'll, they'll People will bring you jobs. I mean, I've had I've had photo editors because I'm good friends with them, or, or you know, good person, or we're personable because of my personality. I, I've had for photo editors just literally drop jobs, drop jobs in front of me. I mean, I've I've got one I just talked to last week, uh, and I've got like a whole month I'll be shooting for. Them. So I mean, just having a good personality makes life so much easier, easier as a as a creative. 
You know, and I have to I have to kind of piggyback on that too. I, I was um, I was just at WPPI I mentioned, and there's a photographer there who I'd had the opportunity to connect with before. His name is Christopher Barry. Uh, Chris, if you're listening in, major props to you for. And I actually messaged him after the fact. It was like, man, your energy is so it's contagious. And and you know, the average individual that you meet or connect with or have a conversation with, it can be fine, and it may make you smile, and and you walk away feeling like it was a decent conversation. But every once in a while, you meet that person who just, I, and, and this is the case with, with Chris, he was so, I don't, he just drew you in. He had this very magnetic personality that you just wanted to be around. It was this genuine kindness, like, like you don't normally feel from somebody and, and a genuine interest from him and what you had to say or, or just engaging and connecting. And so I, again, I, I love the fact that you're highlighting this, Matt. There is really something significant to making the effort and and carrying that so-called energy to an interaction with somebody because the, the way that that can impact them certainly personally but ultimately make an impact for the sake of your business is it, it, we just can't emphasize that enough yeah i mean it's it's just one of those things that if you can do that then you you'll be around a while another thing too uh number five actually is uh learning how to handle criticism because as, as an artist you're gonna get criticized yeah uh, everybody's not gonna like what you put out uh, or you're going to have people that tell you what you can do better. One of the main things that I see as a commercial photographer, especially when I'm in front of photo editors is I have to get critiqued. I need to know exactly what they're looking for or what, what can I do to enhance my, my tool set as a photographer. A lot of photographers are afraid of portfolio reviews. I tell photographers do them. You need to go to a portfolio review, whether it's at WPPI at PPA, or photo plus, you need to be going to have people critique your work because that's the only way you'll get better. And every time someone critiques you, doesn't mean that they're being a jackass. They're just telling you, you know, trying to tell you something that could better better benefit you in the long run. I tell you this: I went to my first portfolio review in 20, 2017. Like I'm just I think about what year it was. Twenty seventeen. <laughs> it's time flying so quick. Yeah. And uh, and, and I went. And I, I remember I was like, wow. I mean, just the feedback, just being able to get feedback, knowing that what I was doing, I was on the right path, made me feel more confident. And it made me know that, okay, all right, I'm on the right track. I wouldn't have gotten that feedback had I stayed home and, mm-hmm. and not have went, you know, I would I always would have been wondering. There's another photographer I like to credit who, who helped me to get to where I am. And his name is Seth Hancock. And uh, Seth, told me when our first conversations he told me he said matt you need to go to photo review and he said you need to get your ass tore up <laughs> it was like uh, like a, a, a almost like a dad talking to his son you, yeah you, need, you know you need to get this and and i heard him you know this i heard him i, I was like okay well I, I, if he he says it needs to get done then sure. it needs to get done. and so literally that's what i did and you're able to find out where you are as a artist uh, so even if it's not commercially, and if you're doing wedding photography, or you're doing portraits, or you're doing senior portraits, you need to know where you are on the the, the, the larger scope of things, mm. so that you're not making the same errors that may that may be hindering your growth as a photographer. So, well, and it requires please, setting aside ego too, right? Like we can't go in yeah, there. I, mean, I, I think back to the, the American Idol show back when it was a thing, like when it was really popular. 
And you'd see these artists come in, the so-called artists, wannabe artists, maybe uh, musicians come in and they'd sing and then the judges would give them feedback. And then they get these attitudes and response, you know, saying, well, I, thanks for the feedback, but this is, I I really am actually great and I know it and I'm going to, I'm going to continue to, I'm going to continue my career on, I'm going to make something of this Uh, rather than actually acknowledging the, the reality, which is that here's somebody who has experience uh, who has perspective and who's lending that perspective to their singing ability and or potential career, and that it might be good actually to stop, set aside their ego and listen in a bit. It, you know, they, they just kind of went about their way. And I think it's important for all of us as business owners, as maybe artist types or photographers to be willing to set aside ego um, and, and listen. And, and there's, there's really wonderful opportunity to learn in that process. Yeah. I mean, it, the majority of, 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 of photography is is the the growth of photography is what you just said is setting aside your ego if you if you can't do that then you're probably not gonna make it in this industry you pro- i can almost about guarantee you probably mm. won't make it mm. and if you and if you do and if you do decide to, to, to follow through with it you're probably not gonna be well like so if you can set aside ego and you can be willing to accept the criticism. And I'm not talking now when I talk about criticism, I want photographers to understand. I'm not talking about going on F stoppers, going into the you know, going to the In bottom the comment of the section. Yeah. The comment section. You know, that's that's a waste of time. That's <laughs> that's a waste of uh, uh uh do do not get caught up in that in, yeah. the, in those kind of arguments, you know. Yeah. What I'm talking about criticism is from from what we call in is gatekeepers, people who are look that are looking to hire, you know. You, you just you just have to be willing to, to take that, and I guarantee it, it, it'll help you grow as a uh, as a photographer. Man, this is this has been seriously one of the most practical conversations that I've had with our guests. You just you've done such a wonderful job, Matt, of communicating these very practical ideas for and that I think are not just applicable to commercial photographers, but professional photographers as a whole. Uh, but major props to you for for the brand that you develop, incredible photography, and and I mean you're practicing what you preach. Your your personality, you're so easy to to engage with and to connect with and to have conversation with, and I, I can see how this easily translates to what you're doing in business. So uh, major props to you, major thanks to you for making time for the podcast today. Will you share with our listeners uh, one more time just where they can find you online and in social media? Absolutely, and, and I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. You know, it's just. Let me tell you why, why the way I am is because I know at any day, but we take people, I think, and this is speaking in general, I think people take life for granted. Mm. And it's, it's a privilege to be able to, to say that I can go to work and do something I like to do every day. I wake up every day saying that I can go to work doing something that I like to do. I've photographed many uh, a CEO or people on their job that absolutely hate yeah. what they they go to work every day going to, to do something that they do not like to do mm. so being able to, to be blessed to be able to get up and say okay well i you know i'm going to take this photo i, I do something i like to do i only work for an hour and a half and i'm done yeah. for the entire day yeah that's a blessing yeah. everybody doesn't have an opportunity so i try to you know try to try to portray that through through my work that they showed it i enjoy what i do for those who are interested, you can find find me at Matt Odom Photography, M A T T O D O M Photography dot com. I'm on Facebook. I will say I don't Facebook pay. I, I, I was in the old Facebook fad when it when it first started. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't I don't maintain my Facebook 
page as much my regular page i do but my 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 uh my own photography page not as much but you can find me on there um uh, i do respond to messages though so if you do send me a message i will respond uh i'm on instagram uh matt odom photo and a native tell y'all i'm pretty active on, on instagram so I, I will respond and if you're ever in georgia look me up love to take you get some good barbecue at fat matt's Oh, or, nice! Hey, Matt, I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna have to take you up on that. Um, when I'm down that way, sometime we'll have to connect because that that actually yeah, sounds man. like a lot of fun. But I, I really can't thank you enough. It truly has been a privilege. Uh, for those of you listening in, we'll make sure to link to these websites, the resources that we've mentioned in the show notes. If you just go to Boca B O K E H Podcast dot com, um, you can see this episode, the show notes associated with it, and other episodes. BocaPodcast dot com. Make sure you take advantage. And uh, thanks again, Matt, for making time for the Boca Podcast. Thank you so much. I I enjoyed it. Thanks so much for listening to the Boca Podcast today. Will you let us know what you think by leaving a review of the podcast in iTunes or maybe in the Apple Podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast, maybe suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My direct email is nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com.